This is Get On. I'm Anthony Storey, and I'm exploring how companies can get to where they need to be to do amazing things. The programme is brought to you by SISO, which is helping digital companies succeed in Dorset's thriving Silicon South. Programmes like Dragon's Den and Shark Tank make winning investment look pretty straightforward if you've got your wits about you, but a nightmare if you're not properly prepared. However, most investors seem to scoff at the TV format and suggest it's really not like that in the real world. So what's it like to pitch for investment? Do investors really savage a business plan? Do they promise the money there and then? And are they really trying to squeeze as much out of the deal as they can? Let's start with a few quick thoughts about the pitching experience. We like it actually. Yeah. We like we, we like we like it the interaction. Sense. We love it. We love the the pitching. Yeah. You know, we we love interacting with prospective investors, having um, them ask the questions. Do it. I, th- I think it works really well. I mean, we get fifteen minutes to listen to the pitches, um, and you know, like all first time meeting somebody else, you know, you get a good sense of the person reasonably quickly. Is this person credible? I think you know, there's obviously some very good people that are very good at presenting a business, raising investments. For us, I would arguably say the product does the talking. Probably the most important thing is the person. Who is it that's running this business? What is their motivation? Why are they doing it? I've come to the Dorset Business Angels Pitch for Investment evening. Run every quarter, it's typical of the experience an eager entrepreneur has to go through to catch an investor's eye. The event is hosted in the private room in a resplendent hotel, which means you'll probably hear some of the bustle around this central Bournemouth location seeping into the interviews. I met several companies who were hoping to gain the attention of the investors. They began by explaining how far their companies had developed to highlight why they thought they'd reached the right level of growth for seeking investment. I'm Mike Kamara, and I'm founder and CEO of Wellbot Limited. I'm Sam Deere and I'm the founder and CTO of Wellbot. Wellbot is a behavioural change tool for the workplace. Um, so the idea is that our desk-based lives are, are really bad for us, um, mentally and physically. And we're using current techniques in AI and behavioural psychology to understand how to motivate people to take long-term uh, effective behaviour change for healthy outcomes. We had the initial idea in March 2017 and uh, incorporated the business in Scotland in June 2017. So it's been 12 months since that initial idea. I'm a developer. I was sitting at my desk one day, I got a sore back. And like any good developer, I didn't get up and stretch. I said, there must be an app to solve this problem. And from there, we did new developments pretty much one and a half months for the next eight months. We probably had a weekend off between us in that time. Um, it was a very, very, very fast-paced situation where every day there was new ideas, features being added, features being removed, always testing in a kind of lab-like environment. And very, very quickly it turned into something far beyond what the initial idea was. Uh, Wellbud had our alpha product out in September within three months of incorporation and uh, we are now on track to deliver a beta product um, in, in April. So that's going along very well and we'll have a, a customer-ready product very shortly thereafter. My name is Philip Campbell, I'm the founder of a company called Curve Wearables and uh, we make wearable payment devices, um, most notably the contactless payment ring. 
So it's a MasterCard approved ring that allows you to make payments anywhere that accepts MasterCard contactless transactions. Uh, you can use it on the, the tube in place of Oyster and you can use it on a lot of um, transport networks. The idea kind of first started about 2012-13. Um, it gradually kind of developed through prototypes um, and then we finally went live in March uh, 12 months ago. I think we've learned an awful lot over those 12 months in terms of shipping the product and, and growing and that curve is very much exponential. We now process something like £400,000 a month in transactions on the ring. We've, we've processed something you know, close to £4 million in total now. So people can see it, they know that it's real. And a live product is a much better selling point than any PowerPoint presentation. Today, uh, pitching to raise some money in order to uh, take the business to the next level. Seapress is a uh, coffee shop business in London. I started in 2014 and the mission was to kind of reinvent uh, where the coffee shop uh, was going and uh, a few inspirations the uh, LA uh, sleek trendy juice bar the Australian uh, quality artisanal coffee scene and uh, moving towards a um, fully uh, organic and uh, healthy uh, food offering so we currently have two stores in London plus three concessions a few uh, wholesale uh, retailers and uh, three and a half years into the business, now's the time to really uh, open up a big flagship store and uh, put our flag in London as the leading uh, healthy uh, cafe. The current business plan is to go from our five to uh, eight, nine, primarily driven by uh, one large flagship uh, location and then a few uh, smaller locations around it. We want to cover the full uh, map of London. Although each company is operating in a very different space, they have all launched and are trading and generating sales. This is great for showing investors there's proven interest in their product. But what do they expect from the investors in return? And what are the advantages in pitching to a crowded room of investors rather than seeking out one-to-one -one meetings. We like it, actually. Yeah. We like, we, we like, we like <laughs> the interaction. We love it. We love the, the pitching. Yeah. You know, we, we love interacting with prospective investors, having um, them ask the questions, having them, because in, in a way, it, it, it validates what we're doing. And I you know, just like you have a customer group, an investor group is a great, a great one to test your idea and your, your business proposition. So the format today, there's been you pitch, they question. Do those questions help inform what you do in the future? Is that kind of a useful Absolutely. sounding board to be able to try and develop the pitch? Absolutely, because either you can answer the question or you can't. And if you can't, it means you have to go off and think about that and that might well inform the product or the strategy or a whole bunch of different things. So we treat this as part of the, the business model at the moment, going out and finding the weaknesses and then plugging them. Pitching to a crowd like today, I've never really done that and uh, pitching to investors on a round table. Uh, I've done that quite a few times, and usually you, you, uh, you come out of it just uh, uh, with a few highlights, which are always worth noting down, because uh, sometimes what's very clear in your mind is not necessarily clear in somebody else's mind. So if they uh, guide you with a few uh, questions in a certain direction, you can take that as a hint that you might want to uh, rethink uh, your choice of words and, uh, and fine tune your, your, your sentences to get directly to the point. The good thing about the events where there's a kind of a group of people is obviously you get the opportunity to meet a lot of people in a short space of time. Otherwise trying to coordinate all those individual meetings and the interested parties, you know, can be kind of hard work. I think the other thing is it is a, a specialist area in terms of kind of payments and 
kind of the issues around that and, and fintech and things. And so if there's a room full of people, it can often help where colleagues will have experience perhaps that you know, may help or you know, answer some of the other you know, queries that come up from investors. And I think that's kind of very beneficial as well. You mentioned fintech. If investors understand the world that you come from, do you find that there's greater interest from there? Or do investors from non-technical backgrounds might be interested in the product? For some people, it's just not in their in their space. You know, some people um, only want to invest in you know, software businesses. Others, um, people have different kind of criteria for what they know or what they feel comfortable with. Obviously, the fintech space has been very successful. Um, there's a lot of high-profile fundraising gone on with um, some of the challenger banks, things like that. And I think that um, the because there's a lot written about them, arguably there's more kind of education in that space. Hopefully, we you know, we benefit from some of that. Um, hopefully some of the investors will have seen that there's been some very high profile exits, um, investment rounds, and you know, thus the opportunity to get a good return um, is there compared to, say, other industries where, where that you know, may not kind of exist. The, the landscape, I believe, is changing a, a bit. We are, I think, a pre-revenue company. We are just in the cusp uh, of uh, getting into revenue. And uh, conversations when you're pre-revenue are getting tougher. How are they getting tougher? Uh, entrepreneurial activity has, has picked up quite significantly. You also have a lot of businesses being churned out by the accelerators uh, in terms of startups. So the supply-demand uh, imbalance between a n- number of uh, entities looking for money versus the available capital is such that I believe that investors are now just getting a bit more, more picky. Previously, whilst a, a wonderful idea will quickly sell, now a wonderful idea probably needs to be coupled with more to get grab attention. Don McQueen and Max Wright are two serial angel investors who have invested in a range of companies before. What brings them to the investor meetings? Don McQueen first. I, th- I think it works really well. I mean, we get 15 minutes to listen to the pitches. Um, and, you know, like all first-time meeting somebody else, you know, you get a good sense of the person reasonably quickly. Is this person credible with the business? So the presentation obviously has to be good. Um, they have to get across their key messages about, you know, the opportunity, the amount of money they're wanting to raise, you know, and the opportunity that they're solving and the economics and where they've got to in business, you know, whether they're a blank piece of paper or right the way through to a, a profitable business who wants some development capital. So that has to come across pretty loud and clear. You've got 15 minutes to do that. It's not that difficult. What's really important is the character and capabilities of the management team comes across through that. And generally that is the most difficult part. And the other thing that's very important, it is very difficult for people who have got no experience in a market to come up with a solution to what they think that market needs. You know, and I've seen many of those sort of situations where, you know, they, there's people who are really credible individuals, but actually when you look at it, they actually don't know the market as well as they think they do. They think there's a, they, they've got a solution to a problem. And frankly, if you don't know the market that you're, uh, you're going to be working in, it's very difficult, which is why I tend to dissuade straight graduates from uh, entrepreneurial ventures because until you've got some world experience you really don't know what the opportunities are and what the holes are in the markets um, that you know that you're trying to invest in so it is it is pretty unusual to get angel investing into straight graduates without any business experience at all there are exceptions and that's because you've got you know exceptional people like you know um, Bill Gates Zuckerberg and you know that, that likes you and we can all quote examples like that but that's not the norm and 
both they you know the, if you look at their early careers they both really struggled to find their market they both you know they they really didn't really understand what they were doing and they were lucky you know i i, I don't dismiss dismiss what they did but they both hit a wave in a very particular time and, and, and grabbed it by being extremely lucky by being in the right place at the right time and seeing that little opportunity and grabbing it. But they're very few and far between. And then you generally won't find angel investors willing to, to bet on that lucky opportunity. I look for something that's um, fairly unique and that has a huge potential. Personally, I like to be um, hands-on so not full-time but I like to be able to spend you know a, a day a week possibly working in the business so I'm actually um, looking after my investment as well as um, uh, having a financial reward uh, so I would only go into an investment if I could actually have a an active role in it that's very important to me what are they looking for in the business to help them decide if they're the sort of company they want to invest in I, I've got some pretty strict rules and some of them went wrong actually have, after having broken my rules. But mainly it's to do with a very good answer to the question, um, w solving a real world problem um, with the technology that is economic to deliver and has a real customer base. So, And it has to be a credible management team. So, so for me, I'm looking for um, a solution to a real problem, not a made up problem, not somebody's idea that there is a problem, but a real problem and a practical solution to that problem that is economic to deliver, and then a management team that can deliver on that. So those are the things that really I'm looking for. Well, first of all, obviously, there's got to be a business model and a business plan there that, that stacks up. But probably the most important thing is the person. Who is it that's running this business? And what is their motivation? And why are they doing it? And to me, that's, that's probably the most important thing. It's got to be a, a viable business in the first place, but then it's all really down to the, the person, the individual. I think in terms of um, the most difficult part of investing is assessing the capabilities of the management team. It's actually relatively easy to assess the business plan. You know, you can see with a bit of due diligence these days quite easily whether there's a real opportunity, whether the economic stack up, whether the um, business plan is sensible and clearly it has to tick all those boxes. The most difficult thing is assessment of the leaders. And that is a, unfortunately, it's a veto issue. So if we, if I feel that the management team is not up to it, it doesn't matter how good the business plan is, you know, you can, you, you know, they're uninvestable. If the, business, if the business team are not capable of implementing it. It's far better to invest in a really good team with a bad business plan than it is with a bad, good business plan with a bad team. I mean, there's, there's some practical rules, and again, I'm not trying to be too difficult on this, but generally, angels don't like investing in married couples as a management team. They don't like investing in very large teams. They don't like investing in teams that obviously have, where three or four of the team have all got the same experience or same track record. You know, you want to see a team that is um, capable, knowledgeable, um, and diverse, and that actually work together as a team, covering all bases as much as possible. Um, so, you know, if you, it, frankly, if my view is if you're investing in a married couple, you're investing in one person. In business, that can be very difficult as an investment. So, it, it really, assessing the people is probably the most important part of an angel investment. What's the challenge of being an investor? You know, what's the hardest part of being it? And, and also, what do you think you bring 
to the table, yeah. what commitment do you make to the companies? Yeah. Well, uh, let me answer the first bit first, the last bit first, rather. Um, we bring enormous amount of experience. So um, if I think about the team that I'm, I'm doing another investment, I won't mention the name, but it's a high-tech business in the advertising, online advertising industry. Um, and you can see that these are mature executives from the, on, uh, the advertising industry, but they're in their late 30s. And actually, the investor group is in their mid-50s and 60s and have got a world of experience in terms of the practicalities of really what's important, what's not important, and that's equally important, and what to do about it. And some really worldly experience about, look, you should do, my gut feel is do that, don't do that. And gut feel goes a long way. So getting some grey heads around the, the table is really valuable. I think some of the other investors are just looking for a passive investment. I don't think they particularly want to get involved. For me, it's, it is very important. I like to, well, I, I consider myself primarily a business mentor, so I very much like to help the business owner develop their own skills and make them into a better leader and manager. What's the advantage of being so closely involved with the, with the companies? Um, probably the key thing is I've made an awful lot of mistakes in my life, in my business life, and they can take advantage of that skill. So I can help them avoid making the mistakes that maybe I've made along the way um, and therefore avoid some, some very costly errors. How do you feel that the people view investors when they first start talking to you? Um, on, the, on the whole, there's a, there's a trepidation. Uh, you know, there's a sense of, um, you know, I, I would like to have your money, but um, I'm not sure I want you too involved in my business sometimes. And then there's a realisation, actually, we, we are there on the same side. You know, we, we're, obviously there is a competitive, well, a, a negotiation to be had about valuation. And that can be difficult. You know, sometimes entrepreneurs come along with ridiculous valuations on their businesses and we come in and offer anything from a half to a quarter of their value. And, you know, and of course, that's a difficult discussion. And often discussions fail at that point. Um, they may, you know, they may, then there's a persuasion to be had from us, selling ourselves in terms of our skill sets and the value that we can bring as well as uh, money and actually arguing why the valuation is what we see it is and not what they think it is. If you win, you know, if you both come to the conclusion on that and actually you come to, yeah, actually, I want you on board from, from the entrepreneur's side, you know, I would like you and the investors on board. I can sort of accept your valuation just. Um, and you know, I think there's huge value together by going together as a team. Then you begin to cement that relationship and then you begin to realise actually we're all on the same page and we all want the success of this business through thick and thin. We've come here today uh, with a, a valuation of eight million uh, pre-money. Um, it is very much, a, you know, you can't use the traditional metrics. We're not, you know, we are revenue generating, um, but we're certainly not at a point where you could use a, a tried and tested formula of you know, X times, you know, multiple of, you know, whatever. Um, it is a bit of a, um, you know, finger in the air. You know, what are we, people willing to, you know, what pe do people think you're worth? We've tried to look at it from four different kind of angles. One is, you know, what was the last round? What did the last round close at? Um, we obviously funded it based on, say, directors and, and some external shareholders, you know, friends, family, things like that. So our last round closed at four million. Um, that was what have we done since then? Um, at the time of the last round, the product wasn't yet live. We hadn't sold it to anybody. Um, so we've obviously now sold. You know, I mentioned about the metrics. You know, we're now doing say four hundred thousand a month in terms of transaction volume. Um, we're selling, you know, maybe thirty thousand pounds worth of product a month. So we've got some metrics to be able to show where we're going. Um, we've also got other, um, you know, we do have kind of tangible assets in the business, you know, cash behind the business, stock, things like that. 
Um, I think we've also then looked at what the competition is doing or other people in the market. I mentioned about the fintech space, there's some very public um, sites where you can see what the likes of you know uh, others, Revolut, Monzo, um, Pocket, things like that have raised. And so we've you know tried to use those and where they're at compared to where we're at and that's how we've kind of come to that figure. But at the end of the day, um, it's very much down to what investors think and we'll see at the end of this evening. <laughs> well, firstly, we, 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 uh, I think with Wellbot, we we uh, in an advantageous position in that we have enough seed capital to take us uh, post-revenue. Um, uh, so we are at a stage where we, we are having discussions with, with investors, but recognize that some of them may be holding back. However, we have enough cash to then last us if we, um, for later on in the development cycle to re-approach those investors if needed. If there is an interest expressed at the, one of these meetings, then the hard work really starts. So we might go through a series of five or six meetings over a period of one to three months where due diligence is done, where the team go through a, um, an engagement period, can I suggest, before marriage, um, and you do your assessment of the individuals to see exactly you know, whether they are investable and whether you work as a team. Because it's equally important for the um, entrepreneurs to be happy with their investors as it is for the investors to be happy with the entrepreneurs, because it is a marriage. And if you don't get on very well, it can be very troublesome. And that's one of the reasons why one of my investments failed, because frankly, the dynamics were very, very poor um, and bad decisions were made on individuals. I, I think it's important before investing to spend some social time with the, the business owner. So actually get them out of the workplace, get to know them a little bit, understand what makes them tick and what their real motivations in life are. Um, because obviously initially they're going to say they want to make a lot of money and be very successful um, but in reality probably neither of those is the, the real truth and so I think it's key to understand what really drives them, what motivates them and what their, their long-term goals are and in a lot of cases they don't know so coming back to my role as a mentor um, I think part of my role therefore is to help them understand what it is they actually really are looking for. So building up that relationship is part of the due diligence process really? Absolutely, absolutely. And I've had recent uh, situations where I've met with business owners with the potential to invest and just haven't clicked with them and haven't really felt they've been honest enough with me and if I get that feeling from the start then you know, there's no way that I'm going to put any of my money with them. One of my messages to all the entrepreneurs that I've invested in is please, 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 give us the bad news early. You can give us the good news late. Frankly, I'm not interested in the good news, but I'm really interested in the bad news because I need to be able to help you as fast as possible. If there's bad news coming or something's happening or something's not going well, tell us as fast as possible. We're not there to criticise you. We're there to help. You know, we can help you solve those problems. You know, frankly, there's not much we can do when things are going so well. We have great wealth, well done, pat you on the back. But when things are going to work badly, it's really important to talk fast and, and get the, uh, the investors in fast. A, because then there's no board meetings where there's toys thrown out of the pram and there's uh, you know, unmet expectations coming into a meeting. Really important, if you're going to give bad news at a board meeting or at an investor meeting from an entrepreneur's perspective, make sure your investors know there's bad news coming before they sit down in front of you at that table. Otherwise, it could be a very, very difficult meeting. So, but without our help, you know, that's the point. 
Probably the key thing is I've made an awful lot of mistakes in my life, in my business life, and they can take advantage of that skill. So I can help them avoid making the mistakes that maybe I've made along the way um, and therefore avoid some, some very costly errors. I was wondering about what sort of surprises you have as an investor a year down the line. Does the approach that you have mean that you have much fewer surprises? Um, no, it doesn't mean I have any fewer surprises, but it means that um, I can react to them much quicker and advise the, the business owner, the, you know, the key people there, um, what they should do. And hopefully they will listen to my, uh, my suggestions and my advice and um, we can prevent serious problems happening. What advice would you give to somebody who's getting in this position? And what is it that's going to get your attention in the first place? Um, I think it's um, to sell yourself as much as anything. It's sell the business idea, sell yourself. Do not get involved in the detail. Don't, I, I saw one presentation here where they started off with a glossary of terms. Do not do that. <laughs> that, is, that is not a good way to, to interest your investors. So you've got to sell the vision. Sell yourself and sell the story. You know, the details can come later. Clearly, you've got to cover those details, but sell the vision of what you want to create, what you want to build and create, and why you think it can be a success, and what who you are. Those are the important bits. The rest is detail. So there, we have a range of insights. Some of the key things that came out for me were that you have to be able to communicate a clear business plan and have the potential to scale up big. The team's important, experience and diversity is really key. And angel investors are not the enemy. They're there to support you and add their experience to your team. Can't necessarily say the same for venture capitalists, but take that as you come to it. And finally, don't value your company too high. Be realistic. Thanks to all of today's contributors and thanks to SISO for supporting this podcast. And finally, thanks to bensound.com for supplying all of the music.